All right, I want to welcome everybody today. We're going to be in Jeremiah 29, 13, Jeremiah 33, 3 are the two uh, scripture verses we're going to focus on. We're going to be talking about prayer. We're going to begin a series on prayer, and so we'll be going over that over the next uh, few weeks. But but as we jump into that, I want to just kind of come in and, and define prayer and, and look at it, and then we'll break it out into the different aspects of it as, as we go along. But um, <clears throat> prayer is a core value for us as a church. If you go in the office, you'll see our core values on the wall in there, and prayer is, is listed as one of those, but it's probably one of the hardest for us to measure. I mean, it's just kind of hard to measure you know, prayer. How do you measure the amount of prayer in a church, or how do you measure effective prayer in a church, or people's um, desire to pray? They're all, they're all things that are they're not tangible in, in respect that, um, you know, you can put a number on it or, or something like that. And, and then often it's just because we'll say, well, prayer is a personal thing. You know, it's just things people do personally. And, and there's some truth to that. But, but um, the way that we go about prayer can be, it can be formulaic. I mean, we can say, you know, I pray and I do this, 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 and this, and my prayers, and I've got my lists and so forth. But um, it, it can we can end up missing the purpose and the intent if we just break it down in, in you know, this is something we need to measure and this is the how-to. Um, so I want us to look at how do we practice prayer in private? How do we practice prayer corporately? I mean, what, what is prayer? What does God intend for this? And, and how is that going to, uh, to be? So, um, you know, I just say one, one answer to prayer that I'd say that we've had here recently in our church is um, Roy Phillips is, is working with our youth now on a part-time basis. He's He's come to do that, and he's done a great job. I mean, um, God brought the Phillips family into our church a year ago. When Jonah left in the summer, Roy stepped in and was teaching Sunday school and doing some other things with them. And so we've moved him into that position just part-time to, to, to do that and doing a great job. And I'm excited about what God's doing in that. Um, in Jeremiah 29, 13, God spoke to the people. and He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And then in chapter 33, verse 3, he says, call to me and I will tell you great and hidden things. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things which you do not know. So as, as God speaks to the people here in, in Jeremiah 29 and 33, this is a time of, of uh, captivity. It's a time where, where it's a dark time in, in a period of their history, and, and they're about to be carried off into exile. Jeremiah is being held in the courtyard, in, in prison, basically. So it's, it's not a good time. And, and God's saying in this, he's saying, look, this is what the people need to do. They need to pray to me because I'll be there and I'm going to answer you and, and you're going to find me and I'm going to speak to you and tell you things that in, in your current situation, not only do you not know, but, but you can't even think about or, or understand. So God is, is going to do this. So God is inviting them into this, into this conversation with him as they come in there. So I want to look at three things about prayer as we come and look at that. And the first thing is prayer is relational. It's a relational thing. He says, call to me. In other words, speak to me. Um, come into my presence and, and I will meet you there. I will speak to you. I will tell you things that you don't know. And I will open up the, your understanding of who I am and what's going on around you. Or seek me. Seek me 
with all of your desire. And when you do, when I become your desire, you will get your desire. So prayer is relational. It's a relational thing that God is calling the people into. He's, he's calling us into it. It's a relational type thing. So it's the conversation that God begins with us when he reaches out to us and brings us to Jesus. I mean, really, that's, that's where prayer begins. It begins when we are separated from God. We don't know him. He reaches out to us, draws us to himself, and he begins a conversation with us as we come to Christ. Tim Keller, he put it this way, he said, what is prayer then in the fullest sense? Prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through His Word and His grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with Him. Or Wayne Grudem in his systematic theology book, he just said, prayer is personal communication with God. Now, both of those are true. You could define it in some other ways or several different little one-sentence definitions people give of prayer. But, but basically, I just want to say prayer is, is when we truly seek God with all of our heart. We are truly seeking after him. It's rooted in our love for him. It's rooted in our desire to be with him, to be in his presence. And, and that's what, when we come into this passage, these two scripture passages in, in Jeremiah, this is a dark time. And this is a time where the people really have a whole lot of, of questions and they, they need to know. They need to know some answers. They are at a dark period of time. They're, they're um, looking at it and thinking things do not look too bright for us. The future does not look good at all. And here's what God's saying. He's saying, you, you come to me. Come to me. And I'm going to tell you things that you can't see. I'm going to speak truth into your life that, that as dark as everything seems, as bad as everything seems in your life right now, he said, I'm going to show you stuff that's off, that, that you have no, no understanding of, no dreams of, no anything. I mean, it's, it's something that I'm going to do, and, and I will show you. So he would speak to them. He would direct them. God made us. He made us to relate to him. He made us to be in a relationship with him. He made us to know him. He made us to be in a conversation with him. And, and sometimes <clears throat> we've taken prayer and we've put it in a box and we put it into a thing that we do or maybe a box that we check or a discipline that we're supposed to practice and we forget that prayer is much more than that. That's, that's not even the purpose of it. It, it would be like if I uh, went home this afternoon and said, okay, I need to call my mother. I haven't talked to my mother in a while. I need to call her so I can check that box. And I call her up and I go, hey, um, this is all the stuff I want to tell you. Great to talk to you. Bye. Wouldn't work too well. If you know my mom, you know it really wouldn't work. But, um, but anyway, I'd call her and she'd tell me, you know, stuff that's going on there. She would tell me about my nieces and nephews, and she would tell me about my brothers and sister-in-laws, and she would tell me about something at their church that's going on, and she would tell me about, you know, the new car she got, and, and she would tell me about, you know, the goats and what the goats did, and and, you know, she's got her goats, her pet goats. They're not pets, but, but they're basically her pets. And, and so, you know, she'd go, you know, I fed the goats or whatever, or, or maybe one of them knocked her over or something. I don't know. Anyway, we'd have a long conversation. And it's just a conversation. And it's just two people talking to each other. And, and in some regards, that's what prayer is. I mean, it's just us telling God what's on our heart sharing with him what's going on in our lives, hearing from him, 
in responding, not because we have to, not because it's a box we have to check, not because we're following the right formula and doing it in the right way. It's just simply we were made to be with him. If you go back into Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, right after Adam and Eve partake of, of the forbidden fruit and their, their sin enters into humanity, right at that point, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Now, that's interesting. So from, for, this is the first time, this is the first time you see in the Bible that man is separated out from God. Before this time, he is made to be with God. He is made to be with God in the cool of the day. As the breeze flew through, the nice afternoon breeze to cool things off, here Adam and Eve, they would be sitting in the garden. God would come in. Um, I, I would just draw from that that they could sit down face to face and have a conversation. That, that they, we were created to have that type of relationship with God. And we see that as something that's so distant and far off in our minds, and it's because of our brokenness. It's because we, have, we, we took the wrong fork in the road, and now we're trying to see over the, you know, over the hill to see God, and, and we're wondering what's going on. And it says you know, that, that, that they were created to be with God. You see, prayer is a step away from our brokenness. It's stepping away from that separation with God and into His presence. It's stepping into the presence of God. It's stepping face to face with God. It's coming and, and hearing. It's, it's that draw near thing that we talked about the last three weeks in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. It says, let us draw near, then let us draw near with confidence. Let's draw near to God. It is coming near to Him. In James 4, 8, James put it this way, James, brother of Jesus, he said, draw near to God. And what? He'll draw near to you. God says, you know what? If you'll take a step towards me, I'm coming towards you. If you will come into my presence, I will meet you there. I will be there with you. In Luke 15, 20, <clears throat> the story of the prodigal. But here's the prodigal son. The prodigal son, is he's us. He's us. And <clears throat> the prodigal, he goes and tells the father. <clears throat> he tells the father, he says, look. Life would be a lot more fun without your rules. Life would be a lot more fun without the constraints that you put on me. Life would be a whole lot better if I could just get what rightfully belongs to me and leave. I don't need you. And so the father says, okay, here it is. This is, this is your part of the estate. Go on. And the son, he goes on. And he does his own thing. And as he does his own thing, he ends up squandering everything. He blows it all. He blows the relationships that he has. And, and he ends up alone. I mean, if you read the story, the guy ends up feeding the pigs. Now, this is a Jewish boy. Jewish people, they don't do bacon. He's feeding the pigs. That's as low as it gets. That's as low as it gets. He's feeding the pigs. And he's looking at the food of the pigs and he says, you know what? That's better than what I'm eating. I would like to have some pig slop. And you imagine he's thinking, man, I'd like to have some pig slop. And, and the light bulb goes off. And you know what he says? He goes, you know what? I had a relationship that was really good. I had a father who loved me and who cared for me. He's, he's a good man. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, maybe... If I'll go back, I'll never be a son again. 
I mean, I know that. I've blown that. I've, I've, I burned that bridge. I burned it good. But maybe if I go back, he'll give me a job and I can be one of his servants. And, and I know his servants eat better than these pigs. So he does. This is what he does. He goes back in the story. So it's all this story. And, and he says, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. We don't have to go into the story, but look, that is totally inappropriate for a man to do. To, to, for him to run and go to this son and embrace him and kiss him in their culture, he, he was dead to him. And this is what God says. This is how he loves us. This is how it is. When we come towards him, we're like the prodigal. We have departed. We're coming to him. And he's saying, you know what? When you come to me, he said, I'll put it all behind and I will run to you. I will come to you. I will engage you. I will love you. And, and you know, if you know the rest of the story, what did it say? It say they put a robe on him. Say, hey, get a robe for him. Get a ring. Get a ring. He's our son. Kill the fatted calf. We're celebrating. This son of mine was lost and now he's found. He was gone and he's come home. And, and that's the picture of the love of God. That's what prayer is. We come in and, and we think, you know, my life is so messed up, God doesn't want to hear from me. I have messed up so bad that I will never be, I'll never be able to do that. And, and it's just not true. The truth is, is that prayer is a relational thing and God is telling people to seek Him. He's telling us to come to Him like the prodigal or like the people in Jerusalem who had turned from God and, and they were about to be conquered by the Babylonians. He said, you know what? You have sinned against me. You have broken our relationship. You have violated our relationship. You have hurt me. You have deeply hurt me. But I want to tell you what. You seek me and you'll find me. You call to me and I'll answer you. And I'll tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. I will speak to you in ways that you can imagine because this is a God that we serve and this is what prayer is. Prayer is this opportunity for us to come to Him no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter where we've been, no matter how good it is, no matter how bad it is or anything else. It's just the opportunity for us to put it all aside, to drop any facade or anything else that we got going on or, or to bring our joy or celebration, whatever it might be, good, bad, in between, doesn't matter. It's just this opportunity for us to come into the presence of God and relate to Him. It, you know, in some ways, I mean, it's God, so you can't really, this, this doesn't really, analogy is kind of not quite right, but it's kind of like if I call up a friend and say, hey, meet me for a cup of coffee. And we just sit down and talk. And, and in some ways, I mean, we're coming in to Almighty God's presence with reverence and awe, and I understand all of that. But when you come down to the very essence of it, He's saying, I want my heart and your heart to come together. And I want you to know who I am. And I want you to explain what I've created you. I want to explain to you what I've created you to be. And I want you to experience me. And I want you to know me. And I want to bless you and encourage you. And I want to move you closer to me. So prayer is relational. The second thing is responsive. It's responsive. It's a response that we make towards God. And, and the response is praise and thanksgiving. Sometimes when we come into God, the only proper response is just praise and thanksgiving. It's to come before Him and thank Him for what He has done. The last psalm in the whole book of Psalms, Psalm 150, is a psalm of praise. 
It's all praise. It's all about God. And that's all it is. If you read through the Psalms, you're going to find all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, we messed up. We turned from God. God, um, God brought us to this broken place. We are suffering because of what we've done. We have been overrun by our enemies. And, and then, uh, but God, but God, but God redeemed us. God came to us. God restored us. God showed us grace. God showed us mercy. God provided for us in, when we were in the desert. God provided for us when we were in Egypt. He pulled us out of slavery. And, and God did this. God did that. God, 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 God. This is all the stuff that God did. And God's response to them. And, and they come to the very last. And you go through the whole life. You know, the life of the ups, the downs, the peaks, the valleys, and everything in between. And where does the psalm end? It ends like this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I would say that would be a pretty hopping worship service. Definitely weren't Baptists. Just saying. Look, that's, that's, what, that's what praise and worship is. It's, it's, it's this uninhibited coming before God and, and just pouring ourselves out to Him. And it's a response. Prayer is a response. It's a response. Not, it's, it's not just we come in to, to, to engage Him. We also come in to worship Him because honestly, what else can you worship? Only God. I mean, you can worship all kinds of stuff, but, you, but it'll never get, get you anywhere. Worshiping God is, is, um, is, is our ultimate thing. So it's praise for what God has done or is currently doing, and, and that's our response. And, and it's a response to what we read in His Word as, as we come in and as you sit down and you engage God in the Word of God. I mean, sometimes um, we can talk about reading the Bible as a task, right? You say, you know what? Well, I, I, I'm supposed to do this, 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 and this. It's like prayer. We make it a box. We check the box. Go, you know what, I've, 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 done my, I've done my word box, I've done my prayer box. I'm a good Christian today, and I'm going about my life. And, and that's not, not um, the way that it works. It's, it's this response. Sometimes we read in the Word of God, and, and it's a response to Him. I mean, I, I was reading some stuff this morning, and I read it, and I go, you know what? That really resonates with me. That, that, that connects with, with, um, with, with where I am. It, it helps me to have a better understanding of God and, and what He wants in my life. And, and when we have those times where we read the scriptures and all of a sudden you're, we're reading a scripture and in the passage it moves from some person in the circumstance to this is my circumstance. This reflects me. This reflects my joy. This reflects my tribulation. This re reflects my sin. This re reflects my righteousness, whatever it might be all over the spectrum, we look at it, and you know what? It's a time when we see that, and it's a time of affirmation from God, and God's saying, you know what? I'm working in your life. I'm working in the lives of people around you, and, and it's a time for us to just respond to God in praise and thank Him for speaking to us, for speaking truth into our lives through His Word, and so as, as we do this, um, 
it's recognizing the participation of God in our lives and his love for us. And it's during those aha moments that all of a sudden we know that God's alive and God is, is moving in our lives and, and he is driving us to praise, to recognize that. And so that's, that's why Psalm 150 is at the end. I mean, it's the conclusion. It's the praise of what God has done. And he um, comes in and, and our lives are going to end here and we're going to forever praise God. I mean, that, that's what's going to happen. When we, when we take our last breath here and we step into the presence of God, we are going to, for eternity, praise and worship God. And, and sometimes we think that's strange. I mean, you, you know, you think of it and go, okay, so forever? I mean, forever. That's what I'm going to do. Forever is worship and praise God. I mean, that, that, that's it. And, and on surface, you kind of look and go, can he ever get enough? No. I mean, imagine this. Have you ever said that? Uh, have you ever seen that show, um, How Things Are Made or How Things Work, whatever it's called? You know, where they take something like, like for instance, they, uh, they, the, I saw one one time we were in a hotel somewhere and I was flipping, waiting on the girls, and I saw this, this show, and they were showing how, how you get chocolate, how you make chocolate, you know, where chocolate comes from, the whole process from getting the beans and everything. You think, man, that's so boring. That's important to me because I like chocolate, so I want to know. I want to know what happens with chocolate. And, and there's a lot of stuff that happens with chocolate before it gets here. And, and, you know, I mean, it comes from the jungles and people busting these beans and all this other weird stuff and grinding them up and, and making them in little discs and, and adding milk and butter and sugar. And, you know, everything's good with milk and butter and sugar. So it just goes like that. And, and then it's chocolate flavored and it's good. And, and, and you know, I watched all this and, and I think, wow, that's really cool. I never knew all these steps went into making my chocolate bar, you know. And, and so that, or maybe, you know, how they make glass or, or how you make um, a semiconductor or how you make a circuit or whatever it might be. And, and, and you know, you just, we can kind of sit there and you go, that is amazing that somebody figured that out. Now, have you ever sat, you know, seen something and you go, you know what? It is amazing to me that somebody ever figured that out. I mean, how did somebody figure out to make zeros and ones go with electronic pulses to work on a phone in my pocket that I can talk on? I mean, it's all zeros and ones. That's all it is. Just zeros and ones. Zero, one. Switch on, switch off. Switch on, switch off. And it's going at, at just light speed. Flying. In her pockets. I mean, this could have flown a rocket in the 60s. And, and, and we just wonder. And, and we're amazed. Big deal. God spoke. And everything that's ever been or ever will be was made. Think about that. Now, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm, I'm somewhat slow, so I think it's probably going to take me a little longer than eternity to figure all of that stuff out and to listen to God. And, and every time, every time I, I, I see another little glimpse of God in eternity, I think it's just going to drive me to more praise and worship. It's like, that is amazing. That's my chocolate bar? I mean, this is how you made those stupid trees, that, that, and this is what you did inside of them to make them taste so good? And, and, and I mean, it's going to be amazing, and, and that's what it is. So it's going to be like this How It's Made show that reveals everything about everything. And this is what we were made for. We were made to respond to God. And that's what a prayer is. A prayer is a response to Him. So it's a response in praise. It's a response in love. It's a response in worship. It's a response in brokenness. It's a response in anger. It's a response in every emotion that we have. And you go, 
look, I, I can be mad about what's going on around me. I mean, I am sometimes. And, and that's normal. Jesus went in the temple and he got mad that they were turned it into a bunch of, of robbers instead of worshipers. And he turned their tables over. He was ticked off legitimately. And, and so there are things that sometimes would drive us at, and we can bring all of that to God. We can bring it all to the table because prayer is a response to him. And ultimately that response is going to be worship and praise. That's ultimately where it's going to land. No matter where we start, no matter how it comes, when we find the resolution, it ends with us worshiping and praising God for who he is. So as we come in, we understand that prayer is relational. Prayer is a response and that prayer is, is, is requests. It's requests, and, and so as we come into that one, you know, okay, I wondered when we were going to get to that because that, that's typically where we live. That is where we live. We have prayer requests. Would you like to share your prayer requests? What are your prayer requests for this morning? And if you take a look at most of our prayers, they really are centered on our requests. Now, let's be honest with one another. If, if you lay your prayers, if you laid out all, everything you've prayed for over the last week, what percentage of it would come in the form of requests? I'm asking God for something. <clears throat> There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with asking God. There's nothing wrong with asking Him for good gifts. There's nothing wrong with asking God to provide for our needs. There's nothing wrong with asking God to deliver us from, from difficult circumstances. There's nothing wrong with praying that, that somebody who's terribly ill will be healed. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's only a small part of prayer. It's just a small part. As a matter of fact, in, in, in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, Jesus is talking about prayer. He says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the, to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, Give good things to those who ask him. And by the way, it, it really would, would um, be translated out really, really literally by saying, keep on asking, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's continuing action. The verb that Jesus used, the, the language he used, it, it was a continuing action. In other words, he said, you just keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. You keep on. And maybe... A way of putting it, he goes in there and he even says, look, if your son asks you for a loaf of bread, do you give him a rock? No. If he asks you for a fish, you're going to go, ha, let me give him a snake and see what happens. That'll be fun. No, you don't do that. He says, look, you're evil, but you know how to do good to your children. Your children are constantly asking. They're constantly seeking. They're constantly knocking. Have you ever taken a kid to the grocery store? Most of us have taken kids to the grocery store. What happens in the grocery store? I want one of these, I want one of them, I want one of those. I want this, I want that. Can I have, can I, can I, can I, can I? Can I have a candy bar? Can I have some gum? Can I have, can I have a quarter for the gumball machine? Can I have, do they still have gumball machines? Yeah, 
Yeah, see, that was what I wanted. I always wanted the cool thing in the gumball machine. And it was like jackpot if you got the nickel for it or the penny for it or whatever. And, and I mean, that's, that's the way that our kids live, right? And this is what God's saying. He said, you know what? Your Heavenly Father knows how to give you good look, give, give you good gifts. Why don't you ask Him? Why don't you ask Him? Why don't you be persistent? Why don't you believe that He wants to give you good gifts? Why don't you believe that when you ask, He won't give you something to hurt you? I mean, He's just saying you need to trust. Jesus tells us that we should be asking, and it's not our asking that's wrong, it's our motivations. It's not that we ask God for things, it's why we ask for things. It's our heart. It's our motivation that separates out our prayer. James, Jesus' brother here, he says it, you do not have because you do not ask. You know what? You know why you don't have it? You're just not asking. And then he goes on, he says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now I read that and I just go, what? When you don't have because you don't ask, but you do ask and you don't get because you're not right. And he throws it out there, and he just says, it's this interesting balance, but prayer isn't a, it's not about getting God to take care of all of our problems. Prayer's not about getting God to fix everything that I think's wrong. Prayer is not my opportunity to come in and say, you know what, here's everything that's wrong in, in uh in my home, everything in my neighborhood, everything in my community, everything in my church, everything in my state, my nation, and, and if it all go like this, it would be good. Now, God, here's the plan. Let's make it, let's make it so. That's not. That, that, that's just not, that's not what it is. You see, it's, it's, um, it's not about asking God to take care of our problems, all of our problems, or meet all of our needs, or the needs of our friends and family. Jesus simply stating that when it's all about James, here's what James is saying. James is saying when it's all about us, it just rings hollow with God. Another way of putting it is, after you've taken that kid to the grocery store a few times, before you go in, you tell him, look, if you hound me to death, you're going to pay the price. You need to understand that this isn't going to happen again. And, and it's... Um, <clears throat> And it's not saying that, that you don't you know, do nice things for the kids. You do. But you just know, you know when you go into the store that if you let the kid fill the buggy, what's going to be in it? Ice cream? Candy bars? I mean, maybe some fruit. Maybe not. Maybe fruit roll-ups instead. You know, this is, this is a deal. And I mean, sometimes, you know, maybe our prayers to God are like that. And he's saying, you know, you need a little broccoli. Maybe some cauliflower. If you're really good, we'll throw an apple and an orange in there. And, and that's, that's kind of where it is. You see, effective prayer is focused on God. And even when we're asking for things we greatly desire, and, and God does expect for us to ask. He just expects for us to ask. But, but it's focused on Him. It's focused on His, his kingdom. His, his purposes. For instance, when you come and you look at the prayer of Jesus, Jesus prayed, he prayed for his own desires. He prayed for his own, very own, personal, felt desire. You go, no, not Jesus. Jesus was all about everybody else. No, let me tell you what, folks. Jesus was, was very much about Jesus. 
In Luke 22, 42, Jesus said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Remove this cup from me. Look, Jesus willingly went for, to the cross. It said, for the joy set before him, he willingly endured the shame. He understood everything about it. He understood more about it than we know about it. And before it was going down, you know what he said? He said, if there's any other way, if there's anything I've, I've, I've missed, is there any way possible that I don't have to do this? I don't want to do it. Nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's where it hinges. You see, it wasn't a selfish prayer. It wasn't a prayer all about him. It was a prayer where he said, you know what, God? This scares me to death. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm at the point to where I'm praying so hard that I'm busting capillaries. And I'm praying so hard, wanting this suffering removed from me. But your kingdom is greater than my kingdom. Your purposes are higher than my purposes. Your plans are way wiser than my plans. And I want to be where you want me to be. You see, it wasn't wrong to ask for something that was related to his own physical suffering. He just shows us that, that we take our prayers to the next level. And when we place them before God, we don't say, I can pray and I can make God give me good things. I can make God do this. All i got to do is say the right phrase and the right word, and I'm going to have money in the bank and fancy cars in the driveway and a swimming pool in the backyard. Well, maybe not that here. But, um, you know, everything's going to be like that, and that's, that's just not what, what the Scriptures say. He says we, we need to come at it and understand what does God want to do? What are, what are the purposes of God? And, and Jesus' prayers are, <clears throat> his prayer is focused on the plans and the purposes of God. It's, it's based on what God is doing and what he's wanting. And he was willing to yield. He was willing to yield his personal comfort to do what God wanted to do. He was making sure that his prayer was according to the will of God. That, that's where he was coming and doing. So are we not to ask God to, to or you know, should we not be praying for people to, who are sick to get well? Sure we should. Should we not pray for God to you know, give us enough money in the bank to pay the bills? Well, certainly we should. But maybe the first thing to ask for is what does God want us to ask for? What does God want to do? What is God doing in my life and in the lives of the people around me? And, and what does he want me to ask? How, how can I get into the story? Into what he's doing? You see, we could let God build our prayer list. You wonder, what, 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 you know, how, how, what does that look like? Well, look, it's really simple. Jesus said, the fields are wide unto harvest. Pray ye therefore to the God of the harvest 
to send laborers into the field. So you want to know, you want to know what, what, what's the will of God? The will of God is that, that we will have people who will go and, and share their faith and, and share the grace and the mercy and the love of God with people around them. I mean, we pray for that. Pray, pray God, send workers in the field. And, um, and I'm not talking about you know, bringing Sunday school teachers. I'm, we're talking bigger than that. Now, we need Sunday school teachers. You always do. You've never been in church that didn't. But, but we move it to a bigger level than that. And understand that we're praying that God will bring people who see the big picture. That they come in and they see that this is a harvest field of God. And, and God, what, what can you do in our neighborhood? God, how can I see my neighbors? How can I see my community? How can I see the people in my workplace? How can I see the problems in my life and everything in light of your grace and your mercy and your plans and your purposes? How do I do that? How can I make that happen? You know, so, so we can pray for that. We can pray that people will know Christ. We can pray for the people around us to know him. Because, I mean, ultimately, we, we want to fix everything. Look, there's only one fix. That fix is simple. It's Jesus. It really is. It is the most simple fix in the world. The scriptures revolve around the one thing. Jesus, God in the flesh, who came to redeem us. It's the unfolding story of God that centers on the person of Christ and magnifies Him ultimately in the end. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God... God the Son, who provides us access to all of the things of God. And it's just coming in. So, so we come and we see anything that we see in the Bible, we can pray for. We can pray for anything that we see in there and know that these are the things that God has laid out. So as we read the Scriptures and we see that, that God wants us to have strong homes, you know, we can pray for that because that's according to the will of God. God doesn't want our homes to be destroyed, torn apart um, in strife or conflict. He wants our homes to be good places, places where children are raised in love and nurture, where marriages are strong, where men love their wives and wives love their husbands, and they are committed to one another, and they are going forward. And we can pray for that because God's on board with that. Actually, that's God's thing. We can pray for our neighbors to see Christ in us. We can pray that our children will grow up to love Christ and to know Him. We can pray for these things. And they're not selfish prayers. They're prayers that are, that are right there in the wheelhouse of God. They're right there in the plans and the purposes of God. So there are so many different things and different ways that we can come in and, and do that, that, that it's absolutely amazing. But, but somehow, we come in and, and we break it down to a little list. What God is saying is, I want your life to be more than a list. I mean, I've been married for 32 years. I promise you, my wife does not want to be a list. She does not want to be a formula. She doesn't want to be any of that. She just wants to be my wife. She just wants me to love her. It's pretty simple. And, and by the way, I'm a good list person. I like list. I got a list on my phone right now. Always have a list. And <clears throat> lists aren't necessarily bad, um, especially if you're forgetful. But, but the thing about it is relationships aren't lists. Prayer's relational. Prayer's a response. A response is not a list. 
And requests are not a, they're not a list. They flow from the relationship. They flow from the response. They flow from the things we see in the Word of God. And they flow out of our lives. And they flow out of the things that are happening in us and around us. And God's just saying, call to me and I will answer you. I'll tell you great, great and mighty things which you do not know, which you have not known. For when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Because that's the God that we serve and we know. And, and so as we come in and we begin to journey in to prayer, um, I, I want to encourage you to think about, you know, think about your prayer life. Think about what it is and, and think about what it could be. Because my guess is, if you're like everybody else, you really do want that type of relationship with God. You really do want that type of conversation with God. You really do want to know that when you sit down or get on your knees or whatever you do and, and you begin to pray, you, you want to know that I didn't just throw out a bunch of words. I didn't speak in an empty room where the only thing I can really hear is myself talking and, and I'm talking to a God I can't see and I can't hear. And, and, and what is this? To moving in and just saying, you know what? I feel the presence of God. I feel the person of God. I see the word of God. And I understand that God is with me and that God cares about me. And if I could really back it up, I'd see he's done so many things. He's done so, so many things. Think about what God has done for us. First and foremost, we ran from him. And we botched it. We botched it seriously. And we finally came to that point where just like that prodigal son, we saw the pods of peas and the pig slop and we thought, you know what? It, it, it's better than what I've got. Maybe, maybe I should go back to the one who made me. And we wondered, we, we rolled it over in our brain. You know, what do I got to do? What's my speech? What's it going to look like? What am I going to say to him? Um, how am I ever going to make this right? And, and everything. And, and, and we go with our hat in our hand. And before we even can see him, he's running towards us. Why? It's just who he is. It's just who he is. It's not because we're good enough. It's because he loves us. God is love. He is a God of grace and mercy. And he's a God, he's just calling out to us. He said, look, I, I don't need your, I don't need your checkbox. I just want you. I just want to talk to you. I, I want to begin to build into your life and do things that, that you've never imagined. You just never imagined. And, um, and we can do that together. So that's what I want us to look at as we look at prayer. You know, how, how, how do we build this into our lives to where it's, it's a vibrant thing, a living thing, a live thing. It's something that we look forward to. And, and we come in and we spend time and we grow in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we praise you because you are an almighty God, an amazing God, a God who has blessed us beyond all all that we could ever imagine. Father, we praise you for the love that you've given to us in Christ Jesus. Father, we
praise you for the hope that we have. That just like um, the people of Israel when they wondered what's happening in, in all of this, that um, you're saying to us today, call to me, call to me, and that you'll answer. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to know that, to believe that, and to live it. Father, I pray for us as a church that you would build us up and strengthen us. Father, help us to be a people that when, when the folks around us look, they see you. They're drawn to you. They see something so different than anything we could ever imagine. And Father, help us to trust you, to know that you're always working, and that you have a plan and a purpose for us, and that you've prepared us for something far greater than we could ever imagine. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this morning, prayer, you know, maybe the first step, you're about prayer being a conversation that God initiates. Maybe you're, you're sitting here today saying, you know what, I, I would like to have that conversation with God, but I've never had a conversation with God. I mean, honestly, I, I know details or whatever will look. Here's the thing, God reaches out to us to draw us to him. We don't come to God, God comes to us. And, and that's what Jesus said. He said, nobody can come to me unless the Father draws him. And, and God is calling us into his presence. And, and maybe today, for the first time in your life, you realize, you know what? I need to respond to that call. I need to respond to God and, and to trust him, to trust what Jesus has done for me on the cross, to trust the hope that he has for me, to trust that Jesus is, is who he said he was, that he carried my sin and my shame on a cross. And he offers me grace and mercy and forgiveness, a clean slate, a fresh start in life. He promises to allow me into his presence, to, to run towards me and to love me regardless. And it's, it's a very simple thing. It really is. It's coming to the fact of just saying, you know what? God, I've blown it and I'm asking for your forgiveness. Not because I'm good enough, not because I got something to earn it, but because Jesus died on a cross for me. And I want to take that gift that he offers to me that he paid the greatest price for. And, and I want to make it mine, and I want to give my life to you. I want to trust you in, in everything. I'm giving myself to you today. It's a simple thing, but you can do it right where you are today. You can pray that in, in, in your heart. Um, you can step down here in a minute while we're singing. Just say, hey, I, I, can you help me pray? I'd be happy to do that. There are other people in the room who would do that, or, or maybe after church or whatever. But it's the most important thing that ever happens in your life is coming to know Christ because that's the game changer. And that brings us into that relational part of prayer. And it moves us into an ongoing conversation with him. So maybe you've, you've, you've responded to the call of Jesus, but right now today, you need to work on the relational end of it. You, you need to work on spending that time in prayer with God, not, not with a list of this is all, all I want, but, but just with an open heart coming down and sitting down before him, with maybe with your Bible or in silence, and just saying, God, speak to me, speak to me. And you're sitting there and waiting and waiting and waiting on him to flood your mind and your heart with himself and what he wants to do. Because God wants to do amazing things in our lives. And, and it's, not, it's not a list. It's just not a list. It's a relationship. It's knowing him and experiencing him. Would you stand as Greg leads us?